0: been in this uh, series called relationship skills during the summer and this is our final uh, Sunday talking about this so if you are kind of new and and this is your first time with us and you're just kind of checking stuff out today um, today will be kind of a conclusion sermon of a lot of stuff that we have uh, talked about so in a little bit you're kind of coming coming at the end and you you might go I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about because this sermon kind of builds on all the others um, that are that are uh, that came before it but um, but what I want to say is just recommend that you would go on the website and listen to some of these sermons because we really do want you to have healthy relationships. We know that that's such a vital part of your church experience and just your life. We want you to have vital, uh, vitally important relationships. Um, And so that's what we've been talking about. And so as we just kind of close this series today, I'm just going to pray for us as we kind of wrap up our time together as we've been looking at this series. Father, would you even now, I pray, just help us uh, for those that it's their first Sunday today, and maybe they haven't been with us, kind of going through all of the different things we've talked about with relationships. I I pray that you would still uh, speak today and make this useful, God, that you would uh, move in our hearts, and I pray for uh, those that have kind of been throughout the summer uh, listening and learning what it looks like to have healthy relationships, that you would open our hearts and kind of put it all uh, together for us in our lives, and that this would would kind of close a a chapter and and move us uh, in the direction that you have for us, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, So basically, the premise of this series is that your relationships are absolutely vital, that your relationships are absolutely important, that in so many ways, and you know this, in so many ways, the, the health of your relationships determines the health of your life. That your life, the quality of your life, the, the love, the joy, the experience of, man, this is a good life. The, the quality of your life in so many ways is determined by the quality of your relationships. I, I haven't really met somebody that says, man, my life is great, but my marriage sucks, and my kids, man, that's a mess, and I hate my boss, and, but life is awesome. And conversely, I haven't met somebody that is just like, man, life is, is just going, it's, it's a wreck. Everything is falling apart, and yet all my relationships, they're, they're awesome. I, I love everybody in my life. They're so tightly linked. The health of your relationships often determines the health of your life. The the quality of your relationships, your experience of is this a good life or a bad life is so often determined by your relationships, which is why we've been spending time talking about what it looks like to grow in the skills of our relationships. And we've looked at all sorts of different things. As I said, if you're kind of just coming in and, and you're new, we've looked at all sorts of different things of what it looks like to have healthy relationships, what it looks like to serve one another, and, and how can we really help each other, what it looks like to comfort one another when, when times are rough and times are hard, what it looks like to actually make friends and the, the skills that we need to be able to develop Friendships and the skills we need to be able to handle conflict and, and all sorts of different things that we've looked at. And when we have these things, life is better, right? This is what we want. We want relationships that we say they're healthy. I know how to do them. And the people in my life know how to function as a good friend to me or a good spouse or a good parent to me. This is what we want. And when we are kind of operating in these skills, our relationships thrive. They, they thrive and, and we enjoy them. But in order, to have, in order to have all this kind of come together, we, we've talked about all sorts of different skills, but in order to have all of that come together, there's something else that we need. There's something else that we need that if we don't have, it doesn't matter how well you do at all the different skills. It doesn't matter how well you do at serving people in your life or how well you do at helping them kind of spiritually grow or how vulnerable you are, even if you haven't been a part of this series at all, but you just kind of know there's certain things with relationships that are needed. There's something that no matter how well you do at the skills, without this, without this, it won't matter. Without this, you won't still be able to experience the health and the quality of relationships that you want. There's something that makes the difference between relationships that thrive and and that you say, man, these are good relationships. There's something that makes the difference between relationships being everything that you hope and want them to be and relationships where you just kind of settle and say, okay, yeah, I've got them, but it doesn't mean that it's providing this, this great quality of life, So what is that thing? What is it that in some ways holds everything together that we have been talking about? If any of you do baking, which I don't, but my wife does, um, eggs, uh, and if you're like a vegan or um, egg intolerant, if that's a thing, I don't know if that's a thing, if you have an egg allergy, uh, but an egg is an emulsifier. An egg is an emulsifier, which means that when you're baking something, you've got all these different ingredients right? that you're like, ooh, this is going to be good. This flour is so good. I don't know if anyone said that, but this flour is good. This sugar is going to be good, or this kind of, this, you know, whatever else you're going to add to it. Maybe maybe you've got a garden, and so you add zucchini to it, or you add chocolate chips to it, or whatever you're baking, and you've got all these different ingredients, and and that's kind of what we've been talking about, all these different skills, but there's something, often an egg, or if you're, like I said, a vegan, a banana. Or something like that, that holds it all together, that emulsifies it, that brings it all together, kind of like glue. And that is the thing that we need to hold our relationships together. Eggs. Um, No, not really. But we need something that holds all the different skills together, that emulsifies it. And so that's what we're talking about today as we kind of close out this series, is what is it that we need that holds everything together, that brings all the ingredients together into something that you actually can enjoy and say, man, my relationships are healthy. My relationships are quality. So what holds All of the different skills together that we have talked about. And let me just ask the question this way, which is, what do we need to fully experience the joy of our relationships? What do we need to fully experience the joy of our relationships? And and here's what I want to start with. We have relationships objectively, objectively. If you're a spouse, you've got a husband or you have a wife. You have an objective relationship that exists. You've got kids. You've got friends. You've got people in your life that objectively there's a relationship there. Or the Bible even says this about the church, that there's an objective relationship. Look at what Romans says. Paul, Paul writes, we though many, and we've looked at this kind of term a few different times, but are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And what he's saying there is you have an objective status, an objective relationship that exists. You are members of one another. That you are, if you're a Christian, you are the body of Christ. This exists. It's an objective relationship. But that doesn't mean that those relationships are healthy. That doesn't mean that those relationships are good or that they're bad. You have an objective relationship. Relationship, but subjectively, the experience of that relationship can be good or bad, right? I mean, you can say, I've got a marriage, but that can be good or bad. You can say, I am a a, a boss, but you can be a good boss or a bad boss. You can say, I've got friends, but you can be a good friend or a bad friend. That you objectively have certain relationships, and if you're a Christian, you are objectively members of the other Christians that you're in relationship with. You are a part of them, connected to them. But that can be an experience that's good or bad. And what is it that makes the difference? What is it that makes it so the relationships are joyful, that you are fully experiencing everything that God has designed them to be? Here's what, here's what the Bible says. In Acts, which is a passage again that we've looked at many times, it's kind of a classic passage of, of community. But it says this Those, this is kind of the early church gets started. This is what happens that Peter preaches and a bunch of people become Christians, and the, the first church is really formed. And it says, Those who received his word, talking about Peter when he preached, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So all of a sudden, these people are added into the community. The community is created. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And and we've read more of this verse that goes on to talk about how they were sharing all the different things that they had in common, and they were in each other's homes, and they were in the temple together, and they're spending time together, and all of this stuff. But there's something that we can see here that held it together, something that made all the different ways that they lived as a community, all the different skills that they did, that it held it together. And it's this... Right here, it's that they devoted themselves. You see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now think about that. They devoted themselves to the fellowship or to community. They devoted themselves, this word fellowship can also, it's koinonia, which has the language of sharing, that they devoted themselves to sharing with one another. They devoted themselves to the sharing of what they had and what they did and who they were and all these different things that we talked about. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, that's a strong word, isn't it? Just think about devotion, or we could even use the word commitment in some way. But what that means is it's not casual relationship. They weren't just showing up and kind of a little bit doing this and doing that and some of the different skills that we have talked about. They were devoted. And we know that, we know what the, and if you're, if you're not a Christian or maybe you're new to kind of the whole Christianity stuff, you, you might not necessarily know this, but for those of you that have been kind of in the church for a while or Christians for a while, we know that the Bible teaches stuff about community. We know the Bible talks about relationships, but we don't necessarily think about devotion. We don't necessarily think about that the Bible says we are to be devoted to one another. I mean, think about what do you think about when you think of devotion? I mean, when you think about devotion, what are you devoted to? What might come to your mind when you think about, I'm devoted it's maybe a lot of times probably the most common way that that gets used is in a romantic context of uh, I'm devoted to my, my lover or you know, I'm devoted to you or there's songs. You know, that language doesn't get used a lot, but in the olden days there were songs about I'm hopelessly devoted to you and, and those kind of things that you think about kind of a romantic kind of experience. Or you may even think about it spiritually with God, right? That I'm devoted. If you were to go to Google Images and type in devotion, most all the kind of images that come up is someone you know, praying with the Bible open and, and usually some sort of light shining on them in some way. Because uh, that's what happens, right? Every time you wake up and read the Bible, the light just comes, Right? And, and we even call it that, If you, kind of a Christian uh, word that maybe you've heard is the time when you're reading the Bible or praying. Sometimes people call that devotions, or you may have heard it, or even growing up, you, you might have done family devotions, which is this time where it's us and God and, and our commitment to him. And even in that passage, it, it hints at that. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they were also devoted to to the fellowship. Like if you're in a community group and people say, what are you doing tonight? You probably don't say, oh, I'm going to do my devotions. And what do you mean? Oh, I'm going to community group. Right? You probably don't use that language. We think about devotion as this, as this kind of spiritual us and God thing or maybe a romantic thing. But what the Bible says here is that they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the sharing of everything that they are and did and who they were. They were devoted to all the different things that we have talked about. And it's a, it's a strong word to think about commitment and devotion. But the Bible says this is, this, is what we, this is what we need. If we want to hold all the things together that we have talked about, the Bible says that this is the glue that makes it all come together. And, and, and I'm just giving you one passage, but there's so many places in the Bible that talk about this idea. That if you want to have the community that God wants for you, if you want to have the relationships that God desires for you to experience, the glue, the egg, the emulsifier that keeps it all together is devotion. Let me show you just a couple other places that the Bible talks about this. One is in Hebrews. And he says, let us consider how we looked at this verse before, but not highlighting this part. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's part of what a community is not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. See, he even says, here's the context where this will happen. Here's the context where you will be able to spiritually grow. Here's the context where you will be able to encourage one another. Here's the context where you will be able to be able to stir each other up towards the life that God has for you. Don't neglect. This is kind of stating it negatively to be devoted. Do not neglect to meet together. Don't neglect to come together. There must be a devotion that happens or you won't be able to experience this. Or here's another way that Paul says it writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He wants you to experience the Christian life and everything that it is with all humility and gent- now think about these qualities that are some of the kinds of qualities we talked about in, in the skills. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. That, that's conflict and suffering, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now look, hear it again. He gets at this objective reality. You are united by the Holy Spirit. God has united you through His Spirit that you are one now. But if you want to actually experience that, he says, be eager to maintain what the Holy Spirit has already objectively created. That you are one, that you are a member of one another, that you have community, that if you want to use other relationships outside of the church, that you have a husband, that you have a wife, that you have kids. There's a, a oneness that has taken place, but be eager to maintain that, which is another way to say, be devoted to that, to be committed to that. You can't just have it and it just kind of move itself along. You have to be devoted. There has to be eager maintenance. There has to be a non-neglecting of what God has done. Now, this is hard for us because, especially for those of you that are younger, and I know not everyone in here is younger, but especially, I think it's hard for anybody, but you know, if you're a millennial, which many of you are, the millennial generation is known as hating commitment, right? And so devotion, I kind of smuggled in that word instead of commitment, right? But it's, people hate commitment. We don't like commitment. And specifically, again, just talking to millennials that there's job, you know, the stats show this, whether it's with millennials don't want to buy houses. And it's not just because they're broke, but committing to being in one place or uh, being willing to say, I mean, you think about maybe your grandpa or something. And he retired 60 years in the same job and got a watch and a pin or something. Right. And millennials are switching jobs every few years. They don't want to commit to things and and relationships. And I don't know, I think like. Usually if you throw an event or something, two people RSVP, right? And then there might be 40 that show up, but it's like, well, I'm not going to commit to that, but maybe that day I'll come. I don't know. We'll see. And Facebook has even put like an interested button, which is just makes it like, oh gosh, that's just the millennial button. Interested. I'm very curious about this. It should just say, I don't want to commit to this button, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah, 42 people not committing to your event. That's very interesting, you know? (laughs) It should just be honest, right? But we don't like commitment in part because we prize our happiness and we're afraid that if we commit to something, we might miss out on something else. That if we commit to a person, we might miss out on other options. That if we commit to a church, we might miss out on other options. That if we commit to a job, we might miss out on other options. We're afraid to commit. We're afraid to be devoted to something. Because we're afraid if we do, we might miss out on something else. But the sad part about this is that if we do not commit or if we are not devoted, we then miss out on the joy that God intends for our relationships to have. If you want to fully experience what God has for you, if you want to fully experience the joy that God has for you in your relationships, that never comes through dabbling. If you want to fully experience the joy that God has for you in relationships, if you want to fully experience the joy of all the different kinds of skills that we've talked about, fully experience a community where people are serving you and where you are able to serve, and when, when life is hard and you're suffering, you're able to be comforted and where you're spiritually growing in gentleness and bearing with one another in love and, and the unity that God if you want to experience that fully, That comes through devotion. I mean, this is true in so many areas in life, right? If you want to fully experience anything, you can't dabble in it. I mean, just think, let me give you a few examples. I mean, think about exercise. Some of you exercise. Um, I'm not like saying who, you know, clearly you do, you don't. You know, I'm not saying that, okay? (laughs) I don't exercise, okay? Some of you exercise. But you know that if you want to fully get the benefits of that, it's not like you can walk into 24-Hour Fitness and get on the treadmill for a couple minutes and go, okay, that was, whew, all right. Like, there's no benefit that's going to come from that. If you want to fully get whatever, you know, hypothetical benefits there are from exercising, some of you don't <laughs> believe it, you know, it's, it's a, you know, some conspiracy by the Illuminati trying to push it on us. Big exercise trying to... F- <laughs> anyways... Um, whatever. That's what I tell myself. But if you want to fully experience the benefits of that, you've got to go all in, right? You've got to go all in. You've got to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to say, yeah, I exercised one, you know, once this month. It didn't really do anything for me. That doesn't work that way. Or think about like um, a hot tub, that if you want to fully experience the benefits of that, you know, so here's what happens when you get in a hot tub, right? And if if you if you uh, I have more experience with this than exercising, but if you if you if you enter into a hot tub, when you first put your toe in or you know foot in, you're it's it's hot, right? And it's kind of like ugh. And if you get a little deep, you've got that. And if it's a good hot tub and it's like you know whatever 150 or something, and it's like burning. <laughs> if you get in a little, it's gonna sting. And if you just jumped out and said, you know, I tried hot tubs. They don't work for me. Then you never get to experience. You never get to experience kind of the the rest and the the hairs floating at you and all that amazing stuff that happens in a hot tub. You never get to experience that. Or um, I was thinking about this also. My wife and I, um, this was, we were kind of late to the Harry Potter train, but uh, meaning we didn't read it growing up or anything like that, but um, uh, when, I think it was like a few years ago, I was like, let's just watch all these movies, you know, so we, we started, and my wife like fell asleep during the first one, I was like, this is dumb, you know, second one, we watched it, she fell asleep, it was like, this is, this is stupid, like Wizards and whatever, and then by, I think there's eight of those movies, you know, by the time that we kind of, she fully committed, she's like, I freaking love Harry Potter, this is amazing. And then afterwards, she went and read all the books, and now she's re-watching all the movies, and she's, like, going around the house saying, Lemgadia Leviosa or whatever, you know? <laughs> this is a true story, by the way. She, that, that part's not true, but she told me that this week she took a test. <laughs> Sorry. And she took a test. You know, I know so many of you have done this. Don't even front. But she took a test of, like, what, what you know, whatever house you're in, and she was like, I got Slytherin. I'm so mad, you know? How am I not, how did I not get, you know, Dumble whatever house or whatever it is? I don't know. But, the so, wow, well, I offended some of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gryffindor, something like that, right? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Wow, I didn't know I got to tread carefully into the see, But that's what I'm saying is that if you experience the joy of that if you're devoted to that. See, my wife was just kind of dabbling in Harry Potter. She was like, eh but when she was like okay i'm going to go all in on this i'm going to read the books we a few years ago went to you know the the universal studios harry potter land and it's like when like you go all in you more fully experience the joy of that this is true with so many areas in life whether it's exercise or dieting or all sorts of different things that if you go all in you experience it even think about language learning what's the best way to learn a language no, it's not to sit at home and, and uh, just kind of type in random words into Google Translate. It's not to use Duolingo, even as great as that app is, if, if you have ever tried that. It's to actually go to a country and say, I'm going to just go all in and immerse yourself. Language immersion is always the best way because when you are devoted to something, you fully experience the benefits of it. If you dabble in something, a lot of times what happens is you say, well, I, kinda, I tried it. And it didn't work for me. I kind of, I flirted around with it, but it, it didn't really give me what I thought it was going to give me. If you're sort of in, you sort of experience something. And then you often are able to write it off and think that you tried it. But what it means is you're never fully able to experience the joy that God wants you to experience. So let me tell you this. God wants more than casual relationships for you. God wants more than casual relationships for you. He doesn't want you to kind of experience a community where people are serving you when life is hard. He doesn't want you to kind of experience some comfort in suffering. He doesn't want you to kind of have people in your life that are committed to helping you spiritually grow. He doesn't want you to kind of have people in your life that that say, man, I'm here for you. And even if you sin against me, I will give you grace and we will work together. He doesn't want you to kind of have that. God designed all the different skills and relationships that we've talked about. God designed all the different things that make community and relationships work. God designed communities in such a way that you are built up and able to grow and mature. He designed communities in a way where when life is really hard, you can experience his comfort. He designed it that way, and he doesn't want you to casually experience that. And maybe you've never had that. Maybe you've never had a community that said, I'm devoted to you. Maybe you've never had a relationship where someone said and meant and followed through on I'm devoted to you. Maybe you've never had that. And maybe you've had bits and pieces of the different skills and relationships that we've talked about. Maybe you've had somebody that was kind of there for you in suffering, and then the next time they weren't. Someone that was kind of there to help encourage you, like Hebrews was just saying, and, and spur you on, and you were like, man, this is great, and then fizzled out. And maybe you've never had somebody in your life that said, I'm devoted to you. I'm not not just in a relationship with you. It's not that we just have one, but I'm devoted. I'm committed for the long term to you. Maybe you've never had that, but that is exactly what God wants for you to have. Exactly what God wants for you to experience is a community, is relationships where there's devotion, there's commitment, where you are fully able to then experience, not in a dabbling way, but fully able to experience all that God intends for your relationships to be. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're experiencing all he has for you in relationships? Do you feel like you're experiencing everything that God designed that we've talked about, or even that I'm mentioning now, or here's another way I can ask this for you is, do you feel like you're experiencing joy in your relationships? Do you feel like you're experiencing joy in your marriage or with your kids or with your friends? Or Is there joy there? And let me ask you this, are you devoted to your relationships? Would you be able to describe your relationships and say, yes, I am devoted to my friend? I am devoted to my spouse. I am devoted to my kids. I'm devoted to my community group. I'm devoted, like the Bible says. See, there's a link between these things, and you can have joy in your relationships. You can fully experience everything that they are intended to be, but that comes through devotion. That's the glue that holds it together. Otherwise, you have all these skills that are there and kind of vanish. They're there for a minute, and then they're gone. It's there for a little bit, and it disappears. It's there in a small measure, but not in the fullness that it's to be. Devotion to the fellowship, as Acts says. Eagerness to maintain the unity that God has created is what creates the joy. And without that, you won't ultimately be satisfied in your relationship. So what does devotion look like then? What does it actually look like to have this kind of devotion? If, if this is the glue, if this is the key that holds it all together, what does it mean to, to have this kind of devotion? And, and I want to give you a simple, because uh, I'm not a mathematician, but a simple equation, which is this. Devotion, so the, the, what this actually look like, here's what devotion equals. It's two things. Devotion equals Energy. So the energy that you are actually putting into your relationships. You wouldn't say a relationship is devoted if there's no energy there. any Or effort would be another way to say that. And devotion equals energy plus time. The devotion equals energy and time. Without one of these things, you wouldn't call that devotion, right? You wouldn't say someone is devoted if they show up once and do an awesome job. You would say, hey, they... They did a really great job, you know? If you've got a, I don't know, let's say a quarterback in one game, they kill it, and all the other games, they just flop. You're not going to go, man, they are a devoted quarterback. You're going to say they should be on the bench, and maybe we have some of that here in in our team. Um, It's been a while since we had a devoted quarterback. I was putting the right kind of energy into it. Or, likewise, you wouldn't say that if somebody, just, uh, if, if somebody was there a long time but no energy. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a marriage and somebody's like, we've been married for 40 years and it sucks. I mean, you're not going to say, well, that's a devoted marriage right there. You're going to say, that's a long marriage and it feels like a long marriage, right? But you're not going to say that's devotion. Devotion is the effort and the energy for the long haul. Devotion gets at both of those ideas, a loyalty and a commitment, a loyalty and an effort, a loyalty and an ability to say, I'm all in. That's devotion. It's energy and time. So so what what does this look like? Let's just talk through both of these things. So to start with energy, and here's some ways that the Bible says this. This is 2 Thessalonians. Paul writes, We ought always to give thanks to God for you. Talking about the church, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. They don't just have faith, it's growing. They don't just have faith, it's increasing. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. You see that idea? Paul says, Look, you have something objectively but it's growing, it's increasing. There's a devoted energy and a devoted effort that's taking place. You already have love, but it's increasing. Your faith is growing. Or he says this, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, but he is, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So you love people already. It's happening. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. See, that's, that's the idea of energy. That's the idea of effort, that part of what devotion looks like is not just saying it exists, it's there, but saying, I'm going to put effort into this. I'm not going to just say, I'm a, I'm, a good, I'm a good husband, but I want to grow and increase and love more and more. I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm a pretty good friend, when my friends are suffering, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at comforting them. I want to say, okay, I want to, I want, Paul is urging me to love more and more, to grow, to increase, to continue to progress in the things that God has called. That's part of what devotion means. It's the energy. And look, may, maybe your relationships are good. Maybe your relationships are good. Your marriage is strong. Your family life is strong. Your friendships, your community group, you man, my relationships are good. And that's great. But we want even more for you than that. We want, Paul wants, the Bible wants, God wants more for you than that. He wants you to continue to experience all that it is. Here's what this means, even. I would just even ask you that you know, and I, I can't, you know, I'm sorry if this is your first Sunday. I can't go through everything that we talked about, but I would ask you to look at the stuff that we've talked about and go, what's an area in there that, that I need to grow in? Maybe it's helping people spiritually grow or being a good friend or conflict, or, but what's an area that I need to grow into more and more in, to put extended effort and energy into? And I would ask you, tell somebody what that is. If the relationship that it affects. If it's in your community group, communicate it to your community group. If it's your marriage or your community, say, hey, I want to grow. I want to increase at loving you in the middle of what's hard for you. I want to get better at helping you practically with the needs that you have in life. I want to grow and encouraging you to spiritually grow. See, pick something and communicate that because Part of what devotion looks like is the energy and the effort that we put into the community and the relationships that we have. It also means this, when when Paul's talking about increasing and more and more, it also means this, that every, every one of us has a next step to mature in some way. Every one of us has some sort of next step of what it means to be devoted to something. We're, we're all in progress, right? Every single one of us, none of us are just, I'm there now. I'm at a full level of devotion, and it can't get any better. Like, none of us is there. We're all in a journey. We're all moving. We're all progressing. That, I mean, that's why Paul can write, look, I know you love people, but I want you to do that more and more. That's something that for all of us can be true. That's something that for all of us, we can say, yes, I'm here, and yet there's always a next step. And I could, I could go through, you know, lists of in your relationships, what this could look like. But, but as we close this series, I want to ask you to even think about what that means in the church. For you, what is the next step? For you in the church, what's the next step? To say, I want to be devoted to the community that God's given me. I want to be devoted to the community, the relationships that he has provided. I don't want just to have them. I want to be devoted to them. So what's the next step for you? Maybe for you, this is your first Sunday. And maybe the next step is, even what Adam was mentioning earlier, is to come to the pastor's lunch in a couple weeks, which is just, we call it the first step, that you're just checking things out. Maybe that's what it is. It's hard to be devoted to something that you haven't even explored yet. Or maybe you've been coming for a little while, and it's to, it's to go to a community group which, in a couple of weeks, we've got a great opportunity where you can check out all the different community groups. You can, you can see them all kind of in their, I was going to say their natural habitat, but that's not true, in their unnatural habitat. It's like a zoo. It's a community group zoo that we're having. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have little pellets, and you can feed them all. Not really. But they'll have tents and food, and and you can get to know them and meet them. And and maybe that's your next step. You've been coming for a little while that you can say, Hey, my next step is to actually not be on the periphery, not just Sundays, but to actually begin to get into the community. Or maybe it's to serve. Maybe you've been coming for a while, and your next step is to say, Hey, somebody does all this, and and I I actually want to be a part of creating this. I've benefited in some way from walking in these doors and I want to help create that for other people. I mean, it takes, we say this sometimes in, during the announcements, but it takes about 20 people every Sunday to make happen what we do from kids and set up and tear down. And I mean, the lights and the sound and, and all of that stuff. It, I mean, it's, it takes a, a group effort to be able to do that. And maybe that's your next step is to say, man, I want to actually be a part of helping create this. Uh, maybe your next step is to, to partner with the church financially and to say, man, I want to give to help create this. That everything we do costs money in some way. Maybe that's part of what devotion looks like for you, is to say, I want to be a part of not just receiving, but creating. Maybe for some of you, it's to even explore what it looks like to lead in some way. I mean, there's all sorts of things I could say. And again, I'm just talking about the church. If you think about your marriage or your kids, or I mean, it could be all sorts of things of what a next step looks like in those relationships. But here's what I want to do. I want to just give you this link and you can just type this into your phone. Bit.ly or lie slash TL next step. The capitals matter. TLN X step. Type that into your phone and this will pull up a link or several links of all those things I just mentioned of what's your next step. And I'm just asking you to think about, are you devoted and what's your next step? And so you can pull that up now and and fill them all out if you want. Maybe all of them are your next step. Or maybe this is something that you do um, even before we take communion to think about, God, what does it look like for me to be devoted in some way? What does it look like for me to be devoted in some way to what you are doing here? We all, look, we all have different steps that it might be. I understand that. I'm not saying that you need to jump all in. It's your first Sunday, your second Sunday. You're exploring things. Maybe you're not even a Christian. That's okay. I, that's great. So maybe your next step, maybe this was your next step, just checking stuff out. Great. I'm saying that part of what your relationships need to experience health is the energy and the effort. And part of what that means is saying, what does it look like for me to increase? What does it look like for me to grow? What does it look like for me to more and more? This is what devotion is. It is energy. And, and maybe, let me even say this, it's, it's just committing to what you're already a part of. Maybe some of you are already a part of all the things I just said, but you're still kind of, eh, just kind of casually there. You're in a community group, and you haven't been in a couple months. You're in a LTG, which are smaller kind of groups within community groups, and you're like, yeah, we kind of talk once in a while. Hey, good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, sweet. Yeah, there we go. Or maybe you serve every six months or something when it's convenient for you. So I'm just saying there's things that maybe you're already in in some way. And part of where joy comes from is through devotion. And the second part is the time. It's the endurance. It's not just devoted for a minute and then gone. It's being committed for the long haul. And here's How the Bible says this in a couple ways. Look what Peter says. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. We could take that with the effort and the energy. But above all, keep loving one another. Don't say, yeah, I did that once. Don't say, yeah, it's getting hard. And Hebrews, same thing. Let brotherly love continue. See the Bible has this call over and over and over again to say here is part of what your life and community looks like it's not supposed to be a flash in the pan it's not supposed to be a burst of energy that happens in one moment of inspiration where you're like yes i'm going to do it i'm going to fill out all the links and then you're like no i'm going to unfill all the how do i unsubscribe 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 you know but it's to say i'm committed i'm enduring I'm a part of this. Look, let me just tell you what this means for for some of you. It means don't give up. And I don't know where you need to hear that. Maybe that's in your marriage. Maybe that's in your friendships. But it means not to give up, to continue, to keep loving, to keep serving, to keep comforting to keep, and you go. well, I tried, and it didn't work, and I, I tried to talk with them, and, and they didn't listen. I've, I've forgiven them so many times, and they're still doing it, and I've, I've tried to put in the energy, and I've tried to be there for them, and I've tried to be a good friend, but it's not working, and the Bible says, be devoted, be committed, which means there's going to be seasons of, man, everything is going well, and seasons where you go, this is really hard, and it's in that moment the devotion needs to happen. Devotion isn't necessary if everything is easy. Devotion isn't necessary when you go, this is, this is cake. You don't have to be devoted to eating donuts. That just happens, right? Devotion is necessary when things are difficult. That's why in marriages they give vows for better and worse. In sickness and health. Devotion is necessary for the long haul. Otherwise, if your commitment is happiness, when things are rough, which they will be in all of your relationships, at some point, it will be very difficult. Devotion is I'm not giving up, I'm going to keep loving, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep asking for forgiveness. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep being present. I'm going to keep loving. That's what devotion means. It's it's time, which means you work at it. It means you talk about it. And I'm not saying that's easy. I know that's hard. It's way easier to say, man, when things are going well, I'm all in. It's way harder to say, I'm in no matter what. Those are promises that we make that covenant ourselves to the objective reality of, but I'm one. I'm one. I'm eager to maintain what God has created here. So again, I I don't know where you need to hear that. Maybe today everything is going great for you and this is just something you need to know for tomorrow. Or maybe this is something you need to hear for your marriage or for your friendships or wherever it is that you're starting to feel like things are too hard to keep going in this. This is what devotion is. Devotion is energy and time. If you want to fully experience the joy of what God intends for you to have in relationships, you need devotion. And devotion is putting in energy In time. And and let let me tell you this. I don't want you to think that you have what God wants for you because you're just dabbling in something. I, I really don't want you to think, man, I gave it a shot and it didn't work. But there was either a lack of energy or a lack of time. I don't want you to think that in your marriage. I don't want you to think that in your friendships because then you miss out see, all the different skills that we talked about, that's what we want our relationships to be. I and mean, don't you want that in your relationships? Don't you want people that are there for you in suffering and building you up and serving you and forgiving you and that you can be vulnerable with and that you can just have fun? I mean, you want that. I want that in our relationships. But I don't want you to think that you gave it a shot when there was actually a lack of energy or a lack of time. And the time part is often the tricky one because maybe you say, yeah, I did have that, and then it went away. But time says, yeah, but I'm going to be in it still. See, I want you to fully experience what God has for you, not to give up. And so let me close with this question, which is, how can we have this kind of devotion? Because maybe, maybe it feels hard to kind of be devoted like that, to, to be committed in that kind of way. How how can you be devoted like this in your marriage? How can you continue to put in the energy and the effort? How can you be devoted like this in your community group or in your church and to say, yeah, I'm going to keep going? How, How can you have this kind of devotion? Because it's often difficult. It's often difficult because you feel, man, I tried and maybe it wasn't reciprocated. It's often difficult because maybe you're just tired. You're like, man, devotion's hard. Like to endure for a long time that that's hard, maybe you just feel tired. maybe it's difficult to think about what devotion looks like because it's it's maybe you even think I could do this with other people, but these people, it's really hard. If I had another spouse, I'd be devoted to them. If I had other friends, I would easily be devoted to them. But these guys, man, so hard. you make it so hard to be devoted to maybe it's this maybe it's the, there's a bitterness that you feel like, I gave it my energy, I gave it my time, but others didn't. So how can we be devoted like this? How can we have this kind of devotion? I want to give you three things. The first is this, that listen, you're going to fail. You're going to fail at serving people. You're going to fail at loving people. You're going to fail at helping each other grow. You're going to fail at every skill that we have talked about. I have failed at every skill that we have talked about. You are going to fail, of course. And the Bible even assumes that. If you think about all the calls that we just talked about of, hey, keep loving people, continue to love people, don't neglect, all of that assumes that we have a tendency to drift, right? There wouldn't have to be these calls to say, keep going, keep fighting, keep enduring. There wouldn't be that if there wasn't a tendency in us to drift away. There wouldn't be calls to say, don't neglect to meet together. If our tendency was, I'm always going to meet together. But our tendency is to drift. Our tendency is to fail. Our tendency is to grow lax or soft. And here's what we need. Responsive confession. Responsive confession. And the reason I say it like that is because there's going to be things that God convicts you of. And our call is to just respond in that moment and say, okay, God, thanks for pointing that out. That you can't, look, there's no way you can sit down and in one moment kind of pour your heart out to God and say, here's all the ways I've failed in my relationships. Will you forgive me and change me in the end? And I'm good. But you know what we're called to is a responsiveness in our confession, which means as God convicts us of something, as he points out something in our life, right then we say, okay, God, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Forgive me. And God doesn't lay it all on you at once. It would crush you. But God does point out to you, and maybe during this series that has happened to you, and I've talked to people that have shared various sermons where they've said, man, okay, this I needed that and so I went and confessed to somebody and said will you forgive me I haven't loved you in this way haven't what we need is a responsive confession where when God brings something to our attention in that moment we say okay thank you for revealing that to me thank you for reminding me of this thank you for showing me I've I've gotten off track Thank you for showing me again the right way I'm to go. Thank you for reminding me again what relationships are to look like. And and we confess to God. We say, God, forgive me of what I've done and forgive me of my heart in the middle of that. And if it's relating to a person, as most of these are, since it's relationships, we say to that person, I'm sorry, I haven't loved you well. I mean, almost every week as I've prepared these sermons and thought about them, there's something I was like, okay, yeah, there's somebody, usually my wife, I need to talk to. Like, okay, how can I talk about this without uh, first going upstairs and saying, hey, talking about this, will you forgive me? You See, we need to have a responsive confession because God's going to bring something up to you. He's going to reveal things to you. And hopefully he has during this series, or maybe even today, it's that you're not devoted. God wants you to respond in confession, to respond to him in the things that he brings up to you. Don't, don't harden your heart, right? I mean, don't, look, don't you see there's areas to work on in your life? That's okay. Don't you see that there's ways to grow in your relationships? That's okay, What we do in that moment isn't to feel bad about ourselves or to even try harder. It's to say, God, forgive me. I confess I failed in this way. And to go to those that it has affected. Second thing that we do is that we act. We just start doing. I See, maybe you don't feel certain things. You know, we've talked about helping, uh, helping people in their life, and you go, well, I don't really feel like doing that, so it would be inauthentic. And maybe I need to wait until I feel something before I do something. Or we talked last week about comforting people in suffering, and, and our hearts are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those rejoice. And maybe you say, yeah, but my heart's not there, so I'm not going to do that. In a lot of times, that is what we believe, that to be true We must be authentic to our feelings. And that is such a big lie. It is such a big lie to say, in order to obey God, I need to first feel it. See, disobedience never honors God. Not loving people well never honors God. It doesn't matter if you feel, there's so many times that we are called beyond our feelings authenticity does not mean true to your emotions. Authenticity means true to what God has called us to be and do and to the unity that he has created, to be true to the objective reality. When I'm a husband and when I don't feel like being a a good husband or loving my wife or serving my wife, I don't say, well, I'm going to be authentic today. I'm sorry. I say I'm going to be true to the objective reality that God has created. I'm going to be true to my vows and what those mean, even when I don't feel it. And you know what happens? That begins to change your feelings a lot of times. When we begin to act, even when we don't feel, a lot of times the emotions catch up. I love how C.S. Lewis, who was a professor at Oxford and author, he says this, it would be quite wrong to think that the way to become charitable or loving is to sit trying to manufacture affectionate feelings. If you want to love your relationships better, don't just go, okay, I need to to be loving. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the greatest secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. That is why, and this is so important, that is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point. You may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. He's saying if we daily Daily say, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to love anyway. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to act anyway. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to serve anyway. I'm going to comfort anyway. I'm going to stir up to love and good deeds anyway. I'm going to forgive anyway, even when I don't feel like it. He says that, those small daily choices we make, begin to change us into a different kind of person. And often the emotions follow. And finally, how we can be devoted like this and we've talked about this through all the series with all the different skills. But even from a devotion standpoint, the way that you and I can be committed, and devoted, extending time and energy into our relationships is first receiving, experiencing that devotion from Jesus. Look how Hebrews says this. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, just saying, others have gone before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what he's saying here? Look, life's a race. Life's a race. And loving people and being in relationships is a race. And there's things that pull us back. And there's things that weigh us down. There's things that make it difficult. But if you want to put in the energy that's needed for a race and the endurance that is needed for a race, you need something. You need to fix your eyes, as the NIV version says, or or look to Jesus. Jesus. Look, if you've ever been, if you've ever raced, you know when you see that finish line, that's part of what keeps you going. I don't race, but I love to hike. And a lot of times there's some destination, right? Like a waterfall that we're trying to get to. Or something of like, hey, this is the end point that we're trying to get to and, and make it all worth it. And when I see that and I'm going uphill and there's a waterfall there and my eyes are looking at that and fixed on that, I'm able to put in the energy. I'm able to keep going. And he says, you know what you need? If you're, going to, if you're going to be committed, if you're going to be devoted, if you're going to have energy, you have got to see the one that endured for you. You have got to see Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured for you. That for the joy that was set before him, he was devoted to you. See, what is devotion? It's time and it's energy. And he says, if you want to be devoted in your life, if you want to be committed in your life, the only way to run that race is to see his devotion for you on the cross. To see the energy that he extended for you on the cross. To see the love that he extended for you on the cross, though unworthy. To see a God, to see Jesus that would on the cross say, I'm giving it all to you. I'm not holding anything back, all of my energy, all of my devotion, everything I am. I'm pouring out my life, my blood for you. He says, look at that. If you want to be able to exert energy, if you want to be able to keep loving people and continue loving people, you have got to look at him exerting his energy for you and enduring the worst of it, enduring the cross. Why did he do that? Why would he give? Why would he be devoted? Why would he pour energy? Why would he pour endurance? It says, for the joy that was set before him. The joy set before him. What does that mean? It means that on the cross, Jesus says, I will be devoted to you. I will will give you all of my energy. I will go the distance and finish my race for you. I will do it for you. Why, Jesus? Because there's something on the other side of this that's going to fill my heart with joy. There's something on the other side of this that will fill me with joy. You know what it is? It's bringing you into his family. Jesus says, I am devoted to you. I am committed to you. I am faithful. I will do that for you all the way because of how much it makes my heart joyful to be in relationship with you. You see, if you want to have the power in your relationships to be devoted, to be committed, to to have everything hold together, all the different things that we've talked about. This is the key. Are you looking at Jesus? Do you see him as the one devoted to you? If that enters into your soul, it begins to change you. If that enters into your soul, it allows you to endure, to run the race, to be committed. We all want someone like that in our lives someone devoted to us that would never leave us and never forsake us and be absolutely committed to us. And we have him. His name is Jesus. And when we look to him, it changes our relationships. It changes us. And when we take communion, this is what we remember, that he was devoted to us, that he poured out his blood, that his body was broken. Why? For the joy set before him to bring us into his family, to unite us into his body and to unite us together. This is what we remember. This is what I want for you and what I want for our church to experience. So as you come and take communion now, I want you just to remember this. Remember what he's done and and use this time to respond to the good God that we have. We'll sing a few songs and we'll, we'll thank him for who he is. And, and maybe part of responding to you looks like pulling up that, that link on your phone and saying, God, I want to respond to what you've done. So use this time to respond to the good God that we have. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you would give to us Jesus, that you would show us your devotion, a God who is always faithful, even when we are faithless, a God that is continually over the long haul, with us, for us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. In our good days and on our bad days, you are there, forgiving, enduring, exerting your energy of love and grace in our lives. And we thank you for this. I pray even now as we take communion, seeing that you would use this time to help us look at you and draw our hearts to you, Jesus. In your name we pray.